Right. So I am. I am. I am blessed and highly favored today. I. I got the. I got the sleep. I got the sleep past the sunrise. So. Um, <laughs> so. So I'm. I'm a happy man. Uh, but it's good to see you all. Um, we're going to be starting next week a new series. Uh, Pastor Tori's going to be doing a a, a new series. Um, uh, I. I. I won't say what it is because I, I don't trust that what he told me is what's going to actually end up being the series. Because I um, know my father. <laughs> and I know how, how the Lord tends to change his mind um, with, with what, what dad has, has to share. But it's going to be great. I, uh, so make sure you, 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 you don't miss the first week. You know, you, it's like coming in late on a movie. You got to catch the, you got to catch the beginning or none of the rest of it. It's just, you're catching up the whole time. So, uh, make sure you're, you're here next week. But, uh, this week I wanted to kind of finish up this, this idea of Christmas. Um, we've been talking a lot about using kind of obviously Christmas as, and, and gifts specifically. We've been talking a lot about presents. Um, apropos uh, this last couple of weeks. Uh, Christmas Eve Eve service, we had a great time here. Uh, if you weren't here, you missed uh, utter chaos. I, I got the opportunity to dump like 70 gifts on, on a group of kids and just watch them watch them freak out. That was a ton of fun because um, we were talking about we were talking about gifts and we, we looked at how um, Jesus brings us presents. Presence like forgiveness and joy and grace and all these things. And that we talked about how those presents, the greatest presence he brings is his presence, right? Is his presence. Um, and those are good gifts. But today I want to shift a, a little bit um, and talk about the other kind of, of presence that we get. Um, did you know that, uh, I, I, According to some one researcher, Americans over the last 30 days spent $707 billion on Christmas gifts and Christmas-related items. $707 billion. And how many know not all of that was well-spent money? They estimate that we spent this year roughly at least $15 billion of that was spent on unwanted gifts. Bad gifts. The, the most common type was clothing. Uh, it's the least popular gift. It's the most bad gift given is, is articles of clothing, which makes sense, right? Because there's a lot of variation and preference and sizing and all of that good things. Can we just... Sorry, this is a complete tangent, nothing spiritual about it, but can we just agree on what size a size is? Like a large, can we just like, can the Senate just rule on this and just give the dimensions of a shirt and say a large is going to be this size, a medium is going to be this size? I'm just tired. I'm tired of shopping. I'm tired of trying to guess and figure it out and and try things on. Uh, it, it, it hurts my soul. Um, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. This is, so this has led to lots of, of these bad gifts. Uh, um, also, this, this, this idea of clothing being the, the, the worst, most popular bad gift lines up with one of my favorite scenes from one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. You know this. 
It should be, yes, Ralphie in the, the pink bunny suit, right? Classic Christmas moment. And why? It's classic because we've all been there, right? We've all had that moment where we, 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 get, uh, we get a gift and it's our turn to become an actor, and, and to use whatever thespian, you know, roots we have in us and, and convince this person that you, you love this thing that they just gave you. That's, oh, that is so nice. Oh, yes. And you're, you know, you're, the pitch of your voice goes up an octave or two. Um, and you realize it's going up an octave or two. And so you're trying to then drop your voice back down to regular and hope they don't notice. There's lots of bad gifts. Um, and then you got to figure out what to do with these bad gifts, right? Uh, I read another article that was talking about what we do with bad gifts. Uh, and, and there's several options. It says 31% of the time we just keep it. <laughs> we just pretend we like it, put it in the closet, and try and forget it exists. Uh, 31% of the time we, we, we re-gift it. We f- pass on the misery to somebody else. Um, you know, or we just, oh, this is ugly. I know so and so will really like this. That 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 seems mean a bit. But thirty percent of the time we do that. Twenty percent of the time we we exchange the gifts. We take it back if we maybe have the receipt or can figure out what store it's from. Seventy seven percent we sell it. Just good old eBay. Throw it on eBay or Facebook Marketplace. Um, and then here's the, the least two popular ones and the ones that, that we just would, uh, we almost never do. 4%, we give it back. I don't know who does that. Um, but that, that's a, that's a bold, bold choice. Um, 4% give it back and then 4% just throw it away. Just, oh, thank you. That's so nice. And then, you know, put it in the trash. Uh, so that's what that's what we do, and it's not really a, a big deal when we're talking about getting an ugly sweater for Christmas, right? We we understand that the it's the thought that counts, and uh, we can appreciate the the effort that goes in behind it, and um, what we do with that that gift really doesn't doesn't make make a, a much difference um, in, in the grand scheme of things. But but there are other times in life when we are given things that are more serious. That what, what we do with them, how we decide to deal with them does matter. We know that, that everything good comes from our Heavenly Father. We know that he, he only gives us good things. We know that. Scripture tells us that. Our experience tells us that. Right? But our Heavenly Father is not the only person trying to give you things, unfortunately. People try to give us things. And we have an enemy that loves trying to give us stuff. And so today we're going to be looking at bad gifts. The bad gifts that we are given from time to time and how, how to deal with them. Specifically, we're going to kind of look at two familiar people in Scripture that were given some bad gifts. Familiar stories, I'm sure these won't be new um, new stories for us, but we're going to look at them, and I think there's some good application we can apply in our own lives of how to deal with bad things that are given to us from other people. 
So before we, uh, before we jump in, though, let's just invite the, the Lord in, into to his, his word this morning. Jesus, we, we thank you for, for being here, God. We, we, we thank you for the opportunity to, to praise your name this morning. God, we've, we've already felt your presence. We felt your encouragement, God. We pray that you've been blessed in our worship. Now as we turn our, turn our attention towards your scripture, God, would you open our hearts, open our minds. God, let, let your heart, your, your direction, your encouragement for each one of us be, be seen and, and felt. God, would you, would you light our path with, with your word? Um, God, would you help us to hear your heart for each one of us this morning? Amen. Amen. Okay, so two stories I mentioned. We're going to look at two stories. Neither of these, Dad took a, saw a peek of the, the slides uh, before service, and he, he's kind of like, there's some interesting stories. Those are really not Christmassy. Um, and you'll see these have nothing to do with Christmas. Um, but, but I think they tie in. I think you'll get the point once we get to them. The first one is, is maybe the most popular story of all times. We find it in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's the story of David and Goliath. You know the story. David's a small shepherd boy. This is before he's King David or significant or anybody really knows him. And uh, this is a time where Israel and is at, at war with the Philistines and they're off sort of fighting this war. They're just kind of in a standoff with the Philistines. And David comes to, to bring some food to, to his brothers who are in the battle. And, and uh, there's this giant named Goliath who's taunting the, Israel, the armies of Israel. And, and, and no one wants to go out and fight him because he's, you know, he's like eight feet tall and all the stuff. You know the story. And the king offers this giant reward, but everyone's terrified and no one will take him up on it. And David shows up and he hears, he sees the giant and he hears about this reward and we can, we'll pick the story up in, um, in, in, starting in, in verse 37. D- David hears this and he goes to the king and he's, he says, I can do this. I, the, I can take down this, this giant. And this is David talking to King Saul. He says, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue, rescue me from this Philistine. S- finally, Saul consented. All right, go ahead, he said. May the Lord be with you. And then Saul, here's, our, here's kind of our, our text. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. Often in life, people give us stuff to wear. And as we'll see in a minute, sometimes that stuff doesn't fit. Sometimes the things that were given by others, some, even good intentioned, isn't the right fit for us. This was Saul gives this armor to David and meant the best. He, this was, I mean, Saul was the king. This was presumably some of the best armor Israel had to offer. It was useful in battle. It, it, for, for many, this would have been a, a great reward. But for David, it didn't fit because it wasn't his. And this happens sometimes in our own lives. People try and put their stuff on you. Their expectations. You know, somehow 
Somehow you become the guy at work that, that picks up the slack, the, you know, the, the pick up the slack guy, the hero guy. The, the, oh, it's just, it just becomes expected. He's the one that'll stay late. He's the one that'll you know, cover up the, the issues. He's the one that'll, that'll make the peace. Or certain responsibilities that others kind of put on us. Maybe, maybe you've, you've become the, the fixer in your family. You got any family fixers? <laughs> Anytime something, something goes, goes wrong, it's just automatically assumed that you're going to be the one to figure out the solution. Or the, the, some of us, we, we get placed in that kind of family CEO role. You know, if, if it's, it's your responsibility to make sure that the whole family is always, you know, you got to plan all the events and make sure no one gets left out and make sure that the, the, you know, the, the, the cousins are invited and put out the, 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 the spread and coordinate the potlucks and all these things. Sometimes it, it, it's, it's even can go as, as deep as our identities. The other people place on us who we are. That can be a, that can be a good thing and, and, and it can be in a positive or a negative light. You know, sometimes, sometimes you get placed on, people place on you the identity of being a, a screw up. And maybe that was earned at one point in your life. Or, or the kid. This happens a lot in family dynamics, you know. At one point, you you know, at one point you were a kid, <laughs> and people identified you and treated you that way and saw you that way. It's great, but now you're like 52, right? <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes those those identities that were given have never never changed, and 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 they 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 get stuck on us. Or the identity of being the happy one, right? Which doesn't sound bad, but that can be hard. That can be hard if that's not, if, if, I mean, that's great if that's, that's where you're really at in life. But sometimes, sometimes life happens to us. And we're not, we're not that anymore. Maybe we're, you're struggling with something deeply personal or you've had a, a loss or, or, or whatever. You've had something in your life that you are, you are not that, that, Inside, you're not that happy, you know, joy is not your default in, in, in a certain, maybe in a certain season. But because of our identity, because that's what people expect of us, that's what people know, we continue to try and be that. And it creates, it creates problems in our souls. Sometimes it's out of good intention, intentions. Sometimes it's out of selfishness or fear or pride that people try and put these things on us. It's, it's, they need you to be the fixer because they don't want to try and fix it. Right? They, they need you to be the screw-up because it makes them look good. They need you to be this, that, or the other because if you don't, they're afraid of how that's going to affect them or the family dynamic or the work dynamic. People try and put things on us. But listen, the truth is there's only one person that has the right to give you expectations, responsibilities, and identity, and that's Jesus. He's the only one that really gets to tell you what to wear. 
He's the one that formed you in your mother's womb. He's the one that knows how you were created to be designed, how, how you were supposed to operate, what you, your potential is, what your, your strengths are, what, what he wants your life to look like. He's the one that has a designed hope and a future for you. He knows every hair on your head. He died to pay for the right to tell you those things and to empower you to become that. Don't let some other person become an armchair quarterback and mess all that up. Just because someone else has an expectation for you doesn't mean you have to own that. Doesn't mean you have to fulfill that expectation. Listen, you are a different person than you were six months ago, a year ago, six years ago. We can't let the people around us, the, 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 the culture around us, tell us and force us to keep acting like the person that we used to be. If, we are, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a new creation, and we are from glory to glory being changed more and more into his likeness. So the way you interact with other people and the way you should expect them to interact for you, with you needs to be changing constantly. You know, you used to be irresponsible. You used to be whatever. You used to be this. You used to be that. That's understandable. But if, if the Lord has done a work in your life and you are different, you have the right and the responsibility to expect other people to treat you the way you are, not the way you were. And until you, until we learn that, until we begin to see with those eyes and start demanding that of ourselves and demanding that of other, others, those things aren't going to change. There's a, a little, uh, you know, I listen to leadership podcasts and, and that sort of stuff. And I forget where I picked this up, but there, there's this, uh, it's been more in one place, but there's this, this general idea, it's good, it's good sound uh, kind of life advice. Is no one's ever going to ask you to do your job. They're only going to ever ask you to do theirs. <laughs> right? No one's ever going to ask you, hey, have you developed, is there a way that I need, to, I need to be interacting with you differently? Have you picked up more, you know, how have you grown? And, and is there any, anything in the way I'm, I'm treating you that isn't reflecting accurately the growth that you've experienced? You're never going to have that conversation with anybody. And so we have to, we have to learn to deal with these bad gifts. When we recognize this is happening, we need to take a page from David's playbook. We, if we read on, we see David gives us a good model for how we deal with these things, even though it's kind of awkward. Uh, verse 39 said, David put it on, put on the, the armor, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he'd never worn these things before. And look at his response. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. Listen, David does two things that needs to serve as a guide for us. First off, he protests. He uses his voice. Now this is, this is the ultimate in awkward conversations, right? He is, someone is, the king has just honored him with the gift of his armor. And David this little 13-year-old nobody is going, I, this, what is this mess? I can't wear this. <laughs> One, that's an, that, you're insulting the king. That right there could have been the end of David. This could have been a very short story. 
right? <laughs> this, the end of the story could have been, and the king was insulted and had David beheaded, and that's the end of it. But David still, he knew, see, he knew, he knew his design. He knew that this was a bad gift and that he couldn't, there, there was no chance he was going to beat Goliath in that suit because it wasn't his. If we want things to change, we have to tell people what needs to change. We can't just know in our heart that that's different and kind of use that to, oh, they, they, just, they, just, they just still see me that old way and kind of explain it to ourselves and continue to operate in that, in that way or let them continue to see, see you in that light. No, we, we, we tend to avoid these conversations because they're risky, but it's actually more dangerous in the long run not to. Because it doesn't allow for your growth, and it doesn't allow for their growth. And what you're doing is you're, you're building a relationship now. There, there's, there's dishonesty in the relationship. And there's a dysfunction that is put in there. Because in order for it to work in that kind of environment, one of you has to lie with your life. Listen, God's plan is good for everyone that gets on board. We have to trust that he will work it out for everyone. It may not be easy for other people to accept the new you or the new, the new boundaries that you've put in place in your life or, the new, or, or you ex- just living up to Jesus' expectation and not theirs. But we have to trust that God's plan, as long as the other person is genuinely trying to get, a, get on board with God's plan, it's going to work out for everybody. You being the fixer all the time may actually be one of the things that's hindering that other person from learning how to stand a little bit more independently. And they're not going to until you give them the, the opportunity by backing out and kind of allowing them to, to step into that, whether they want to or not. So he protests. We have to have those conversations you know, it's interesting, you go back to the, the, our responses of the, of the gifts. David's response was the least popular way we deal with gifts, right? Remember the, the 4%? 4% give it back, <laughs> and 4% throw it away. That's what David does, and sometimes the, it's, it's the hard response that's the right one. So he, he protests, and then, number two, he gives the armor back. Imagine the tragedy if David had just gone into battle with the armor. If he had just said, well, this does not fit. I feel really awkward, but it, it's the king. I can't, can't disappoint the king. Imagine what would happen if he had gone into battle because he didn't want to disappoint somebody. He would have disappointed everybody because he would have lost. Because the thing that God was, the very thing that God was going to use him in the battle, the way he was going to use him, would have been completely negated by the armor itself. It was nice armor, I'm sure, but David would have died in that fight. Listen, we have to refuse to wear those expectations, those responsibilities, those identities. And we have to give them back. We have to, we have to, Draw borders, draw boundaries, draw, draw the line in the sand and say, I'm not, I'm not here. This is, I'm sorry, this, this, is not, this is not my job. I'm going to give this back to you, boss. I'm going to give this back to you, son, daughter. 
We have to give the armor back sometimes. Listen, with the the new year's around the corner, let's commit to make this year the year that we give back these bad gifts. Let's not take them into this 2022. Let's 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 intent be intent on returning them to where they where they belong. So we can start fighting the fight the way God has called us to fight. And that's going to look different than other people. God has a specific fighting style for your life, for you. And that's that's the beauty of God's creativity. And that's our responsibility as we walk individually with him. As we walk in community, we discover how God wants to deal with us individually. So that's, how, that's one bad gift that people give us. Unfortunately, people aren't the only bad gift givers out there. We, we have a very real enemy that is intent on destroying, harassing, and hurting us any way, we, any way he can that loves to give bad gifts as well. And his gifts are, 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 are much more, there is no ulterior motive, right? <laughs> We're talking about the, the works of the enemy. There's no, there's, there, there's no uh, bright side. There's no, oh, well, he means well. No, he doesn't mean well. He doesn't mean well. He means to do you harm. And, and it, it's one of the things that we, listen, we don't, we, as, as people, we're so good at like falling off the horse on either side. And I feel like the idea of, of, of spiritual warfare or just evil or, or the, when you start talking about, about uh, Satan, uh, this is one of the areas that we always follow. We either fall off on one side too far where it's, we kind of just, we just create this, this idea that, well, it, it, it's just an idea, right? There's just this evil. There's just our, our lack of, of human uh, perfection creates this void, and it's, we call it evil, and it's just this moral construct and blah, 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 right? And we minimize it. And we, 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 we explain it away, and we, we rationalize it to the point where it's just this concept. Or we go way too far the other way, and like, you know, the devil is just literally just lives in your pocket, right? Just Satan is just with you 24-7, doing that, you know, every time your keys fall on the floor, he pulled them out of your pocket and threw them down. Every time, you know, anything bad happens, it was, it was the devil did it, right? We can go too far that way. Listen, I, I hate to break it to you, especially when we're talking about the devil himself, no one in this room is that important, right? The devil ain't spending all his time on you. Um, now, <laughs> that's this far. We're going too far this way. What we got to do is kind of come in the middle where, listen, we do have a real enemy. It's not just some philosophy. It's not just some, some random idea. It's not just some shortcomings in humanity. There is, there is an enemy out there. His name is Satan. There's a bunch of, there's a bunch of other fallen angels that, that are working with him in concert to destroy you, me, and all of humanity in an intentional way. And we see a clear example of this in the life of, of the Apostle Paul. And that's what we're going to kind of look at on how we deal with these bad gifts that, that come from that arena. Right? From the, these intentionally bad gifts that, that are, are hurled our way by the enemy. And we see this account in uh, 2 Corinthians in chapter 12. 
This is Paul uh, writing, and he says, If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so, because I would be telling you the truth. But I won't do it, because I don't want to, anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. So Paul's, a lot of Corinthians is him, there's been a lot of attack on Paul as a person. And so a lot of the letter is Paul, Paul defending not so much himself as the teaching that he is putting, he has put forth to that church. He's trying to keep them focused on the gospel. Um, and, and so this is kind of an extension of that. Um, Verse 7, he says, Even though I have received such powerful, such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Listen, there are things at times we are given that are just plain evil. This is what we see in in Paul. This isn't just a consequence of, of a bad decision. This isn't bad luck. This isn't just the regular life. There was an intentional attack on his life from the, from the pit of hell. And Paul says specifically, it was a messenger from Satan sent to torment me. Now, we don't know exactly what that is. This is, this is one of the most popular like debated issues in, in theology for, forever. What was it? You know, a lot of uh, kind of my personal vote, if I had to pick, was uh, a, lot, a lot of theologians think it was, he's referring to, there was a group of people, uh, of Jews, that had kind of like become like the I hate Paul bandwagon. And they literally would follow him around and try and, and stir up like the local Jewish people and the, the Roman authorities or whatever to try, and whatever city he went to, and tried to get him arrested, beat up thrown out, all those things. So a lot of people think that's what it is. Some people think it was a physical issue. Um, you know, if, if you read Paul's life, uh, there was plenty of opportunity for there to be physical issues. I mean, the man was countless times beaten, left for dead, whipped, scourged, shipwrecked. You know, I mean, you name it, it happened to him. So I'm sure all of those things, you know... I. I fell once back there two years ago, and I still can't get out of bed in the morning without remembering it. I can't imagine the, the things on a daily basis that Paul had to deal with as a result of these, these beatings. So that's, that's one possibility. And, and I don't mean this as a joke, because people have... There, there's a group of people that believe that when he's talking about the thorn is his flesh, he's referring actually to his wife. Um, and there's really no, there's, there's no reference of her, but they believe that she's married and people extrapolate that maybe she was not very supportive of his mission <laughs> in life. But whatever the case, I think, I think the fact that we don't have a definitive answer can almost be helpful to us because it makes it easy for us to identify with this, right? We can, we can substitute our own torment, our own illness, our own undeserved pain, our own villains in our lives that are unexplicably just tormenting us, attacking us. 
I'm sure many of us, if, if we look at our lives through, through it's going to sound weird, faithful eyes, we could see that in our own lives. A lot of times we have a hard time identifying, I feel, spiritual attack because we're so quick to just blame ourselves, right? It's just, oh, well, I can, I can think of... I can think of seven reasons why I deserve this bad thing to happen, so it must just be a consequence of my sin. But that's not always the case. That's not always the case. Sometimes it's just the enemy out to get you. And that's what we see here in, in, in Paul's case. This, so what do we do with these bad gifts? Paul, Paul gives us the playbook. Unfortunately, we can't see these. We can't do like we did with the bad gifts we get from other people because we can't just give them back. Right? It's, we can't just have a conversation and say, here, I want you, want this back. And there's no chance that the person on the other end is going to take it back or, or, or change their mind or change because that's not who we're dealing with. Right? So we have to deal with it differently. And we see the way Paul deals with it's a little different. And I, I think, uh, it can serve as a model of how we deal with bad gifts that are coming from, from non-people, shall we say. <laughs> Uh, too often, uh, and we see, what did he do? He, it says he three times, when the Bible says three times, typically it doesn't literally mean the number three times. Um, especially in, in, in Hebrew thought, they use numbers very differently. A lot of times they, the number means something, um, it, it's more of a, a symbol than an actual accurate numeric count. Three times is, is the number of completion. So when somebody in the Bible, a lot of times when it says they, they did something three times, it means they, they did it over and over again. It's not necessarily, just, I don't think Paul literally just did it three times. I think this, is, this was a, a phrase he's communicating that over and over again, I, I did this thing. And what did he do? He, he, it, says he, uh, he, it says he begged God. It says he begged God to take this thing away. Three times, Paul, the Apostle Paul, begged to have this thing taken away. So what, what was his first thing? He first thing is he prayed like crazy that God would take it away. He begged three times. And then eventually we see in the story, he says he, he, he stopped praying. because Why? Because it got taken away? No, because he got an answer. He got it. Now, it wasn't the answer he wanted. <laughs> But he got an answer, and this is our this is the first step. We first, when we're faced with these these bad spiritual gifts, when we're faced with a spiritual attack, you gotta pray like crazy that God will take it away until you get an answer. Now that answer very well may be uh, it gets God will resolve that situation, or He may answer like He did with with Paul, where He says, "My my grace is sufficient." Um. And we'll get into that in a minute. But I think too often we skip to the my grace is sufficient part of the passage without actually, without God actually giving us an answer. And as a result, we live tormented by things that we didn't have to. Because we didn't, we didn't assault the throne. We didn't, we didn't go to God and ask and do, do the work to see if, if by his, his power, by his plan, he, he had some other plan involved. If this was an unauthorized attack that, 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 that the Holy Spirit would be willing to deal with. Because we didn't, we didn't ask. 
So you have to remember that this context. This was the exception to the rule in Paul's life. See, we look at this like this, this was the thing. Listen, Paul got attacked like on the regular. This was nothing new. This was, the, matter of fact, the only reason why this stands out is because this was the one, this was the exception to rule. This was the one time where God didn't come in and just clean house. This is, there was, if you read the rest of the book, when Paul prayed this prayer most of the other times, stuff happened. Right? Jails literally fell apart. Demons literally screamed and ran out of people. Don't settle for a my grace is sufficient mindset until you've heard that from him. Pray hard that God would remove that thing, that we would see, you would see victory, you would see freedom, you would see that thing go in Jesus' name. We pray, we assault the throne. That's the, the first thing when, when we have these, these bad. We don't just accept them. We don't just assume they're our fault or we deserve them. We don't just accept the fact that they're there and try and live with them. We expect to see and we go to God and we ask him and many times that's going to be the answer. We're going to see God deliver us out of that thing. But then sometimes we have to equate for this. Again, we want to stay balanced. We can't just always say that that's always going to be the answer because scripturally we see that's not always the answer. Sometimes God chooses to say, my grace is sufficient for you. Well, listen, we got to talk about this a little bit too. My grace is sufficient doesn't mean that you lose. It doesn't mean that you're defeated. Whenever, whatever that thorn was, didn't actually, that, that was sent by Satan to torment him and to stop him, didn't actually work. Paul still accomplished what God set out for him to do. Paul still walked in victory. Paul still overcame that thing. He still overcame all of the things that were coming at him to accomplish the things in his life that God wanted him to do. He still established the church. He still saw miracles. He still cast out demons. He still saw people come in, come to know Jesus on the regular. He still formed a church that we are benefiting from today. In fact, Paul learns to boast in it because God was getting even more glory as a result, which was really God's or Paul's goal in life. He said, fine, this, my grace is sufficient, this thing's not going here. Okay, well, fine, then I'm going to boast in the fact that even with that thing in my life and present and not going anywhere, now God gets even more glory because it's even more obvious that he's the one doing this, not me. How great is it to know that when we experience thorns, the worst case scenario for us is sufficient grace. It's enough. It's enough. There is, as followers of Jesus, we never have to, we never have to settle for a defeated mindset. Sufficient is sufficient. Sufficient is enough. Sufficient isn't just under enough. If I'm sufficiently full, I'm full. I'm not like last night Christmas dinner full, but I'm full. This is, this is how the Lord wants us to, the mindset we need to get in our minds when it comes to, to dealing with bad gifts from, from, from the enemy. 
There, there is nothing that we have to accept defeat about. So before we, we go, I just want to give you a moment to, to kind of examine your own, the, the gifts in your own life, the circumstances you find yourself in this morning. Are there any, are there any areas that, that, that you, you've accepted some bad gifts? Are there some gifts from, some, from people that, that, that you've accepted that maybe, maybe you need to return? That you need to, to, to like David, ha- protest and have a conversation that you need to give back some roles or responsibilities that, that aren't yours, some identities that, that people have wrongly put on you or, or maybe they were right for a time, but they don't fit anymore. If that's you, I just... Uh, I just want to pray for you uh, this, this morning and give you a moment to, to just talk to the Lord. So I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to pray for you, and then, it, and then just I'll, I'll shut up for a minute and just let, let you continue your conversation with God on, on this issue. Father, we thank you, God, for your great plan for each one of us. God, for the the expectations, the roles, the responsibilities, the plans that you have given each one of us. God, by your Holy Spirit, would you you illuminate those things in our lives and and by doing so, also show us those areas, if there's any areas that we are are accepting that were not from your hand, that were placed on us illegitimately by by some other person in our life or, or even circumstance, God, would you show us those things? Would you show us the disparity? Would you show us how those are negatively affecting our ability to be who you've called us to be? Because that's all we really need to be and want to be. God, I pray that you would give us the, the, the courage and the strength to have conversations this week about those areas with people. There's people we need to, to confront and love or conversations, awkward conversations we need to have with people to help them see the, 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 the new boundaries that we're drawing or, or to help them see the, the new person that we've become. God, would you give us the faith in you to do that? Would you, would you, Holy Spirit, give us the words that those conversations would, would go as well as they can? And even if they result in conflict, even if in the short term they become, um, they can become combative or, or whatever, whatever that cost is, Lord, would you, would you still empower us to do that? Would you give us the, the vision to see beyond that, see to the, the place where we are only living by, by your expectations and your responsibilities in our lives? I want you just, if, that, if, 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 you're, if that's you, I'll just give you a second to kind of add your own moment with the Lord.
And Jesus, those aren't the only gifts we are talking about today, God. God, I lift up all those here that are, are, are dealing with gifts from, a, from another source, bad gifts from another source, God. We, we know, we acknowledge that there is an enemy out there that is roaming around like a, like a lion, seeking to devour us, trying to steal, cheat, destroy, kill. Every good thing that you have put in this world, and that includes us. God, and so we, we together as a community stand and, and ask that, that your spirit would raise up, that you would, you would put a stop to any attacks of the enemy in our lives, that you would, you, by your grace, you would, you would defeat him. God, that, that by your spirit we would overcome, that you would cancel those assignments from the enemy. God, would you give us eyes to, to, to see those attacks for what they are, that we would not dismiss them, we would not minimize them, that we would not uh, make excuses for them, but that we would see them for the, the evil plots that they are, and that we would, we would stand our ground and, and uh, come to you and see your activity, uh, your, your involvement in our life, your spiritual, your supernatural power, stop those, those plots in their tracks, God. As we partner with you and we invite your presence, your freedom, your power to to come to bear on those situations. And God, we, we also humbly listen for your response. God, we submit, we, we, we acknowledge that you are God and you, you have plans and understand things that we do not. And if, if you say, my grace is sufficient and you are just going to show us how faithful you can be and you're just going to walk through and you're going to get more glory by us, us walking through that with the grace that you provide, then we say we, amen and we accept would you show us, would you give us ears to hear that answer, and would you show us what that means, what that looks like in our lives? And God, we thank you. We thank you that the, that the, the lowest point in our lives we will ever have to, have to, uh, have to come to is sufficient grace. God, we thank you that your power, your, 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 your protection will always be enough for us. That your love will always cover, that you will always be there, that we never have to admit or accept defeat in any area because you are greater than anything that's going to ever come against us and you love us too much to see us fall. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your presence in our lives. God, as we, as we go, as we dismiss this morning, would you, would you go with us? God, that we would, we would this week deal with the bad gifts, but stay focused on, on the good gifts, all of the, the great things that you've put in our lives and in our hands. And we pray these things in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless. We'll uh, see you next year.